Hey there, I'm Sig. Welcome to Happy Hour from Uptown New Orleans. It's Happy Hour coming today from the Columns Hotel on St. Charles Avenue. I'm sitting in for uh, Grant, uh, Grant Morris, who normally does this show. I think he's somewhere getting his English accent updated. There's no way. The dude's lived here for 30 or 40 years, right? Yeah, yeah. You cannot have that English accent. Right. You know, he's got to get that retuned. Yeah. And I think that's what he's doing. So for the next 60 minutes, uh, you'll get to meet just four of the, yeah, well, five, including me, many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. And you'll get to hear some live music, too. At the end of the show, you might conclude... New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably already know that, so let's get right to it, to doing nothing by enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together, where literally a bunch of strangers who kind of know each other sit down and talk. We are supposed to have Lorelai Cropley. Is that the correct pronunciation of her uh, Yes, name? it is. She is a member of the clinical faculty at Tulane School of Public Health in the undergraduate program. She was supposed to be on the show today. I don't know why I find this funny, but she has food poisoning. Oh, no. <laughs> so she's not here. I didn't make that one up. That's, no. uh, that's just no. the case. So she's not here. She'll be on a future show. We do have Kerry Dunn. He is uh, an author whose debut novel, Joe Peace, has just been published and is already a critical success. Reviews are comparing Kerry Dunn to detective writer James LeBurke and Elmore Leonard, uh, Leonard and described the novel as a mystery with more twists than a nest of rattlesnakes stuck in an icebox. That sounds like a country song. <laughs> Some possible insight to Carrie's background, which we'll get to in the next round of cocktails, is this sentence in a review. And actually, I want Carrie to read this sentence because actually it confuses me. Can you uh, read that sentence right there? If it confuses you, it makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. That, can you see it? Oh, yeah. Nothing like a blind Yeah, let writer. me take off my glasses. There you go. Uh, let's see. Carry down immerses readers in a world of drug gangs, police life, and corrupt officials. Then dishes out the action with an assured and authoritative touch. All that right. Cost me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's carry Don. Give it up for Carrie Don. Yeah. Also joining us, Jim McCormick is one of the country music's most sought-after songwriters. Jim splits his time between writing in Nashville and teaching in New Orleans where he's a visiting professor at Loyola University's School of Music Industry Studies. Professor McCormick is the only faculty member at the university on earth, at any university on earth, who had two number one hit songs on the U.S. country music charts last year. Jason Aldean's Take a Little Ride and Brantley Gilbert's You Don't Know Her Like I Do. Jim has written hits for other country artists too, among them Tim McGraw and Trisha Yearwood. Jim McCormick is an impressive musician and recording artist in his own right stretching back to the 1990s when he fronted local alternative rock band The Bingemen. Jim's latest recording, The Middle of the River, is about to be released any day. Actually, it's on Spotify. It is. So it's yeah. released, yep. just so you know. It's, it's, it's out. <laughs> and The uh, Middle of River is Jim's first solo outing in 10 years. Uh, unfortunately, our studio audience is leaving. Where are you going? You <laughs> <laughs> can't leave us. What are you doing? Uh, Jim has songs. <laughs> We've got live music. We have an open tab for you. Uh, yeah. we, have, we have one lovely lady who's sitting here doing needlepoint, and she's leaving. That's how long Dang. these intros are, Grant. Thanks for writing them. Uh. Um, Andrew Duhon, Happy Hours Troubadour. Yay. Andrew is a singer-songwriter who wanders the country and the world with his guitar, and when he wanders back home to New Orleans, comes and co-hosts Happy Hour in return for nothing more than a friendly smile and a half a dozen gin and tonics. Just back from his successful appearance at Bonnaroo, Andrew's sensational new album, The Morning Moorings, is available wherever good downloads are sold. And that is the brutal part of the show. Yeah. yeah. And our studio audience is back. Yeah. Right. But, she, but, but she's grabbing her stuff. Only temporarily. <laughs> 
Hey, I don't think those are your pillows. <laughs> those aren't pillows. Oh, those aren't pillows. Okay. Well, she's out. That's good. And I, as I, I think I might not really be able to do this, but um, in my real life, I am uh, part of Ray Hatch Entertainment, and we own and produce the Voodoo Experience. And I think it might be safe to say, break a little bit of news about Andrew, right? Or yeah. We're doing this, right? Yeah, I guess we're doing this. We're doing this. We're yeah. breaking this. This is an exclusive. Andrew yeah. Duhon at Voodoo this year. Yay. Yeah. They called you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Aaron <laughs> told me something about it. All right, yeah. good. Very good. Well, we're very excited about that. Uh, like I said before we sat down, the show is really a combination of everyone just kind of talking and sharing. I want to start with uh, Carrie really quickly because I, I you know, don't do a lot of reading, so I haven't read okay. your book. Um, I'm currently don't or can't. We could tell the way that you recited that, that list. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Let's go to the music. <laughs> he does listen to music. Uh, you know what? I forgot an introduction because you're not on here. Boy, yeah. am I a jerk. Oh. I even called you to be on the show. <laughs> and if I'd known you were going to be a dick, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, also with us is Alex Rawls, a new father. Yeah. Uh, his uh, beautiful dar- daughter, Clara, who I like to call Carla. Uh, he's also the founder, publisher, editor-in-chief, and chief writer for its, uh, rather, uh, myspiltmilk.com, uh, which is really an amazing, insightful uh, music and culture uh, online entity. I don't want to use the word blog, but it recently got a nominated for... Uh, Press Club Award for Best Independent Blog. Fantastic. Yeah, That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah. That, right now, you know what? That woman's in her room clapping for you. There yeah. we go. I believe it. She feels it. I believe it. Yeah. You just yeah. left. Yeah. So, Carrie, back to you real quickly. Okay. Your book. Are you? Tell me, are you a local guy? Are you from New Orleans? Because this, this sentence talked about sounded like you were just writing the newspaper, like what happens <laughs> here every day with corruption and yeah. stuff. Well, actually, it's set in Austin. I lived in Austin for 20 years. Grew up in Baton Rouge. Um, visited New Orleans a ton. My second book's about New Orleans, but kind of uh, after I moved away from Austin, feeling a little homesick and the story kind of takes place there to get that out of my system. Now, I would imagine uh, everybody at this table has a certain fondness for Austin uh, because of just the musical vibe. Do you live here now? Are you, are you a New Orleanian? Um, Baton Rougean. Baton Rougean. Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of the outer limits. All right. Well, yeah, very outer limits compared to New Orleans, but we're trying to get here. All right, good. And how's the book being, uh, is it, uh, you know, how's it doing? Are people buying it? Uh, yeah, family it? member, family. you know, friends. Uh, <laughs> it makes a great Christmas yeah, gift. So, yeah, uh, you know, I got 50 copies. Anybody want, you know, a dollar a piece? No, uh, it's doing a very difficult world to try to sell a book these mm-hmm. days um, unless uh, you're talented. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> it's, um, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, to, to get in on the ground floor and, you know, try to yeah. make a name for yourself, it just, it takes a long time. So do you have another gig? Is this like a musician who has to support himself doing something else? Yes. What do you do in your other life? I'm a firm administrator for a law firm in Baton Rouge. Uh, take care of their computers, facilities, things of that nature. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is a something you've always done, and you've had this book secretly like bubbling. Well, uh, it takes about twenty manuscripts before. You know, I thought you were going to say twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twenty thirty minutes now. Uh, before you get to the point where actually it's a, a story, you know, and you're not really just writing about the last girl that broke up with you, you know, right. and changed yeah. her name. We'll so. leave that to the country songwriters. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So, so, so what? So, crime novel. So. Who were the writers that first made you go, this is the thing I want to do? Oh, uh, Dashiell Hammett, Elmore Leonard. Um, mm-hmm. Love uh, James Lee Burke, kind of local. Um, those are the three big ones, Raymond Chandler. Yeah. 
that uh, that I'll tell you, Chandler was one of those that for me was like a complete gateway drug. There mm. was about seven years where every time I'd go in a secondhand store, it would be looking to see, is there a Raymond Chandler I don't have? And it was like sort of this process of every time you'd look, it was like the same way like with, with albums, mm-hmm. where you would I'd buy, a, buy a book, look at the back cover and say, right. like, you know, like Dashiell Hammett and James Kane, James Kane. Now I'm going after Postman Always Rings Twice right. and just started, you know, down this rabbit hole for about, you know, for about five years. And I miss that in modern books. I mean, uh, the, the supposed crime novels these days, the heroes are generally unfailing badasses who kick everybody's ass and, you know, go home, don't have any background story, anything like that, don't have any human feelings. Or, and I miss that about noir. I mean, they, these guys drank a lot. They're pretty brutal to other people, uh, disassociated, you know, I guess that post-World War II kind of thing. Tried to update it with some salty language and humor. See what happens. Cool. So let me just. Dashiell Hammett, a longtime lover of Lillian Hellman, whose mm-hmm. birthday it is today. Who wow. is a New Orleans? Who is Jeez, a? Did you just who Wikipedia it, wow. that or something? No, I made I made a note of it earlier this morning because I was interested in her. She's a native New Orleanian, by the way. Um, so anyway, second time that I'm is, thinking about Dashiell that Hammett is today. That is Dude. unbelievable. That's that's how we plan the show, actually, yeah. around that sentence happening. It's like six degrees of Dashiell Hammett. <laughs> a game that's been played exactly once. <laughs> Copyright pending. Uh, Jim, as a songwriter, you know, books, uh, as authors, songwriters, I mean, you guys, and Andrew for that point, uh, you guys go through a similar, and, and you know, everybody at this table, you guys are writers, you know, this is interesting because you guys are all writers, you have yeah, process, yeah. you know, he's got to fill 300 pages, you have to fill three minutes, you have to, you know, do whatever you do on your, <laughs> <laughs> whatever oh that barometer God. is, you know, <laughs> oh, I think I'll tweet today, you know? yeah. <laughs> There's no love for the internet out there. <laughs> but you, uh, you, you know. You've done some amazing things as a guy who I would imagine at one point was just writing in his basement with a guitar to have your songs. And, and this introduction didn't even really tell half the story of the people that bought songs from you. I mean, are they buying songs? Are you writing with them? How does that process work? Well, they don't buy songs. They, they license songs. They steal them. <clears throat> they steal them, too. That, no, we leave that to the consumer or non-consumer. Uh, the... Uh, you know the process is a license, and so the, you know there's a there's a uh, you participate in royalties. You always own the song. Artists license the song. Record companies license the song, and it gets out there, uh, hopefully uh, via radio, which is the primary means by which country music listeners find new music. They still are they're terrestrial radio lovers. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't I mean, what's what's the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I did, I was, I'm fascinated by the process. And for the record, I did do country radio for about a year. Uh, I'd been on alternative station here in New Orleans for many years, 106.7 in the end. I used to listen. Love that. All right, yeah. always love hearing that. And uh, then the station after Katrina turned into a country station. It was rocking country. And I was, uh, I was forced to either not have a house and not have a job, or not have a house and you know have a job. So I did it. And no offense to country music people at all, but I referred to every artist as Toby Keith for a year. And it seemed to work for me, and yeah. I moved on. <laughs> well, that sounded like Leanne Rhymes. I don't know about that. No, no, it was Leanne Rhymes, but I called her Toby Keith, yeah, and uh, the audience seemed to not like it. Um, with that, guys like Toby Keith. Do you write with Toby Keith? Do you uh, write with? Uh, I, write, I write with uh, Brantley Gilbert, and I uh-huh. wrote, wrote uh, "You Don't Know Her Like I Do." Luke Bryan is a very close friend and co-writer of mine. Randy Hauser. Um, few folks out there. Tyler Farr, who's making a dent in it right now. John Party. Um, you know, I've been I'm really fortunate to, to have come up over the decade or so that I've been 
working in Nashville with a lot of guys who have gone on to success as artists and had their own recording careers. So I'm a guy who gets invited on the bus to write uh, on a leg of a tour. With that is awesome. There. It's a lot of fun. It's That's really fun. cool. Yeah. I, I want to, um, you were going to ask something? Hey, what, what do you, when you're writing with these people, what do you bring to the table? And I don't ask that sarcastically. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I bring girls. What, what, no, it's like, it's like, what's your thing? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, no, they no, can get you, girls. They don't need yeah. him for that. <laughs> you, you, you know, I think when you're writing with an artist, you are, um, first of all, they don't need you at all, right? You're, you're right. And so what are you there for? Obviously, you have a relationship with them, or they think that you're going to bring something. Um, I'm a lyricist, so my, that's, that's my left hook, and that's what I'm bringing into the ring if, um, if, that's, if that's something that is required of me. But a lot of, a lot of the folks I write with are, are just absolutely brilliant lyricists themselves, so they don't need me for that. It's more of a facilitator and someone to be in the room with. And, you know, co-writing is, um, I think, very, very, it's, under, it's, it's underappreciated how valuable it is to have to show up because someone else is depending on you. And so when you have that appointment with somebody else to sit down and write, it forces you to be there in the writing room and to work for four or five hours that day. Uh, I, I want to throw something in, and by the way, our guest said, and we're talking a lot of different people, Jim McCormick is talking specifically about uh, country music as a country music writer and uh, singer, songwriter, and performer. I think you are understating what you bring to the table. I think especially today, in today's modern country music, a lot of these guys are, are you know, are equal to being pop stars, and yeah. they need somebody who right. can write hits. And not only that, he's overstating what the pop stars are bringing to the table. Uh, absolutely, I think, I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame that people are up there on stage and they look great and they know how to perform and get the crowd in there, but. No one knows how involved they were in writing that, that song. If it's a love song, are they thinking about a love that they wrote about? Or is it somebody they're else's singing love the lyrics. they're singing about? Right. Or if it's a heartbreak song, was it their heart that was broken or not? I want to fucking know. Yeah. But you don't know. You know, These guys are singing everybody else's song, or maybe they co-wrote, but how much of it did they write? And you just don't know these I things. had an interesting, I won't name the artist, but he's like seven feet tall in country music, and he was playing the House of Blues, and this was during my you know, Toby Keith era. Mm. And... Uh, we were interviewing him, and I, you know, this was, I don't know anything about country music. I'm a modern rock kind of guy. And I asked him kind of the question, so when you wrote this song, you know, what were you thinking yeah. about? And it was like, <laughs> dead air. You know, yeah, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I need to text the guy who wrote the song. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Where is Jim McCormick? Yeah. Uh, real quickly, we have, yeah, go ahead. I just want to ask John, yeah. um, you hear a lot about the Nashville uh, songwriting mills or anything mm -hmm. like that. Do people contact you directly? I mean, they... He's got the key to it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you, 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 you know, I've been hanging out there for 13 years, yeah. and so uh, I'm very fortunate to be with BMG Chrysalis. They're my publisher. Okay. In other words, they're 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 my agent. They're you know they allow me to work on writing songs, and they shop the songs. So yeah, specific yeah. artists in mind when you're writing a song. Not always, but you know the market is what it is, and I think if you immerse yourself in it long enough, it, it makes itself apparent to you, and you know what is within the market, what what, what commercial country radio wants to play. Mm -hmm. And you know, generally the guys I work with, we all, we're all aiming for that that target. Here's, I know we're, we want to get to a song here, but a quick thought though, is can you can you write a song for Taylor Swift? Do you think you have what what you need to have to be able to write a Taylor Swift song? Absolutely. Give him but, twenty but, minutes but, on a toilet and a guitar. <laughs> oh, 
and he can get that done. That's so wrong. Somebody has to dump him. I bet if we put him in the corner for the next 40 minutes to 20, 40 minutes of the show, he could get that Isn't that what Roy Acuff did with Hank Williams when he showed up and he had he had a couple of songs? Roy didn't believe that that skinny little boy wrote those songs. So he sent him in the other room, locked the room, and only one door, and said, come out of there with something about a heart that's lying. And he came out with your cheating heart. Incredible. In a half hour. So that was the test. But yeah, but the point, the problem with, not a problem, the, the, <laughs> the issue with Taylor is that she writes all of her own material. So a guy like me, a, you know, a pure songwriter, we, we are interested in those artists who are looking for material to interpret Entertainers on their records. Not Entertainers, artists. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but let's just say in the I want to put my mm -hmm. kids through college for the rest of my life and stuff like that world, if the phone call came and the Taylor Swift people are like, hey, hey, Taylor wants to work with somebody. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? To. It'd be I'd phenomenal. Now, I've met Taylor. Taylor's brilliant. Ta yeah. Taylor's brilliant. She's charismatic. Some of her songs I admire very much. I mean, you know, mm. she's a force of nature. I wake up with Taylor Swift music almost every day. I have a 12-year-old <laughs> and a 10-year-old. And I, da, 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 da. I know it's all the same song, but uh, it's, it's hooky, it's amazing, and it means so much to them. It's in, you know, in their world. Let's do this. I want to get to some music because I want to make sure we have a lot of that in the show today because we have some great musicians between Jim McCormick and Andrew Duhon who's playing the Voodoo Experience in November, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Very stoked about that. Uh, from your new record, which is out, first record in 10 years, what yes. were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Where you been there, Jimmy boy? Hey. Where you been? <laughs> Hey, yucca fuck, what are you doing? Right. You know, right. you can make right. records, right? You know, my friend Chris Bergson, he wrote me a note and saying congratulations on the record. He said, most folks write 10 songs in one year. <laughs> you, you, you wrote a thousand songs in 10 years and picked the 10 best for this record. Have fun. Uh, you know. This song is called Falling in Love with Waitresses. This is uh, Happy Hour on itsneworleans.com. I guess I'll always be the same Even if I could, I don't know what I'd change Cause I like telling jokes and bumming smokes Hitting the open road at the very first chance That's just who I am I keep falling in love with waitresses Eating too many potato chips It don't matter what day it is It's Friday when I get through I still play with the band I'm playing with Got room for some tears in my handkerchief And I keep falling in love with waitresses Whenever they look like you If I had stayed a little longer Well, my leaving would have only hurt you more When you have a restless soul Moving on is the only way you know No matter where I go I keep falling in love with waitresses Eating too many potato chips It don't matter what day it is 
It's Friday when I get through I still play with the band I'm playing with Got room for some tears in my handkerchief And I keep falling in love with waitresses Whenever they look like you I told you don't wait for me And you did not ignore me Now you're wearing another man's ring That doesn't change anything I keep falling in love with waitresses Eating too many potato chips It don't matter what day it is It's Friday when I get through I still play with the band I'm playing with Got room for some tears in my handkerchief And I keep falling in love with waitresses Whenever they look like you Yeah, I keep falling in love with waitresses But I'll never find anything And that was Jim McCormick on Happy Hour. It's NewOrleans.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, it's pretty easy. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to write hit music. You don't have to have a bloggy thing. You don't have to do anything. All you have God to do is send, worse. <laughs> send an email I, to... I once had a website. Now I'm down to a bloggy thing. A bloggy <laughs> thing. You won a press award for that, didn't you? A, uh, for best Nominated. Exactly. Nominated. Nominated for the best bloggy thing. Uh, you really just have to send an email and send it to itsneworleans at gmail.com and you can be a part of Happy Hour or one of the other shows here on, uh, on itsneworleans.com. Uh, great song. Unbelievable. Thank you, sir. Thanks song like that. Do you hold that in your pocket or, or oh, like, no. or, like no, if we, somebody called you today and said they wanted to buy that song or, or, or cut it and, cut and, it and license right. it? Absolutely. We'd love to. And I mean, yeah, most of the record is, um, you could say, from the cutting room floor. Most mm -hmm. of the record, uh, the, 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 the song You Didn't Have a Good Time was cut by Randy Travis, but... Uh, all the other songs have not been cut. And it was kind of a chance for me to look back on the decade or so that I've been working in Nashville and take some of the, some of my favorite songs and bring them to light, um, knowing that they probably will not see the light of day via major country artists. So just to get them out there and share them. Spotify just sent a tweet uh, letting us know that your next record, uh, 2023, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. uh, you can pre-order now. The advanced copy, yeah. yeah right. And it comes with lyrics. That's yeah. really nice. It's really good. <laughs> And it has a, a song that Taylor Swift wouldn't cut. So, I, I have a question for you, Jim. Yes, so this is a uh, ten years of, of tunes that you selected from. Did you select the tunes that you thought were the best, or because this was your record inside of shopping songs, were these the tunes that were most personal to you or yeah. your favorites? Yeah, or? yeah, absolutely. They these really, are your yeah, tunes. These yeah, these are the ones that just would never go away. Yeah. I just would always think. Man, I'm so proud of that song. Even yeah. if nobody ever cuts that cool, song, yeah. I'm so proud of having written that song. Right. And and you know that's that was a little, and it was a chance for me. I didn't mention this earlier. It was a chance for me to take that work that I loved so much and bring it back and re recast it with some Louisiana cats: Shane Terrio, Calvin mm. Turner, Doug Belote, mm -hmm. um, and a few other guys, um, and put put it put their fingerprints on it. Yeah. Put, put put a different interpretation than than the way that the demo went yeah. in Nashville. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, when you I feel like when you write songs it, just in, in general you have this idea of how good or how effective they'll be at translating to other people 
and you're rarely correct or even close. You know, <laughs> like the ones that you thought, oh, no, that's not going to hit anybody is, is the one. And then the one that you love, nobody pays any attention to. I did not think this crack song was going to be a makeout song. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't see that coming. Yeah. Now, Andrew, as a songwriter, like, and, and this is, you know, you are, to me, a very emotional live performer. Like, your uh, songs are your songs. Right. Like, you know, mm. when you watch, when as a fan who watches you perform, mm. you are in that moment, eyes are closed, you are performing lyric by lyric that mean a lot to you. Right. Does the idea of writing songs and have other people do them, where did, you know, is that something you would want? Is that something like that you I would be challenged with? I think about it like crafting custom furniture. And what you do is making furniture. And maybe this isn't the one that you want in your home, but it is, you know, a job to, to be able to, or in a craft to be able to uh, to do this custom job for someone else. And I'm totally open to the idea. Um, I'm actually interested in getting into the co-writing thing, but it, it certainly, to me, would be like a separate sort of. Uh, you kind you of know, have to like thing. outside of yourself. I would imagine. Yeah. I imagine you do yeah. that a lot, and you know, uh, it, and if you were to ghostwrite with somebody else's for somebody's book or something, mm-hmm. I you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do, but uh, <laughs> a, a bloggy thing, I'm told. <laughs> he listens to what we do, and he just shits yeah. all over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> Now, uh, my spilled milk is officially now a year old, right? It's are you there at this point? We are uh, one year, beginning of June. So yes, that's fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations! No, thank you. It is truly, it is the best bloggy thing coming out of New Orleans right now. Amen. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you. That's, that's, no, you, it's a you know, it's it's a, it's a small pond, the bloggy thing, <laughs> but uh, but I. I but thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, and I, in all seriousness, yeah. of the people who are covering music and culture mm-hmm. in New Orleans, what is most impressive about it to me is that you're not just doing something. Some of the other people who are doing it, they're putting something up here. They're putting something up there. You're in the trenches writing every day. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. really incredible about it, whether it's a music review, shitting on their records, <laughs> or, or on his book, yeah. or my festival, right. whatever it might be. Um, you know, you really are writing. And it's, it's, it, what has been the well, biggest challenge for you in this year? Um, Paying well, the you, bills. You, well, yes. Well, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody else, finding money on the internet. But, yes. Oh, actually, I'll tell you, the, 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 I mean, the writing is the challenge, but the writing is also the, the good, the fun part at a, at a number of levels. I mean, part of it is simply, you know, all of us create because we really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's work, but it's the work I do because I really enjoy doing that work. Yeah. Um, but the other part, one of the reasons I write a lot is... You know, it's partially because that's what a website is. Is you know, if, if a website doesn't have content, new content on it, that's a dead website today. Mm. Um, but the other part is my attitude toward the web has always been that it's a place you, you go to the web to connect. That's what the internet does. It connects people. And so you, you think about the websites that you like best, and they're websites where you have a sense that the person at the other end shares values with you, and that if you ever met that person, went to sit down to have a beer. Y'all connect. Mm-hmm. And so, in a sense, as I write, I'm putting my thoughts out there every day. And you're kind of at some point, you start to have some sense of who I am at the other end. And you, you know, you read me for a year, you read me for a month or so, and you have a sense, yeah. okay, he likes that. He doesn't really get that stuff. Um, he's, you know, all about this. And so you start to have a sense of who I am. So it's, I think about it as both writing, you know, an individual story, individual pieces. But also, to some extent, writing a big thing. Like, here's, a, here's the year I wrote. And I hopefully, if I'm doing my job well, 
I'm writing with enough personality that you feel like you know have some sense of of where I am, where I, where I come from, and what I think about. I, th I think that's actually really interesting. I think for each of you as writers and as uh, artists, it, and I'll, I'll we'll go around real quickly. When you look back at what you've done in the last year, what you you know you go back and you look at your your notebook and notes of of writing a book. You look at the at the website and you look at your notes and you look at your all your big checks you're getting from all the big country stars. <laughs> Do you does it bring? Because I know that still to this day, I can go grab and I'm going to date myself a cassette from I did mornings in Baltimore or in Miami, and I can drop it into a, if I could find a cassette deck, I could drop it in there, and I could listen to it, and at the, from within seconds of hearing what's happening on that show, I can figure out, I know all the guests who were on that show for that morning, I know what I was wearing, I can kind of remember the mm -hmm. weather, I remember things that were happening in my life. Do you guys, and again, I just really want to quickly go through this, and we're going to hear some more music, but as a writer, as an artist, can you timestamp stuff from stuff you've done, like when you look at what you've done in the last year? Oh, yeah. I I could tell you the date. You know, I wrote a line that I, I remember, um, some kind of funny line or <clears throat> what I think. And what, what inspired that? Yeah, and where and it came I just from? know exactly the entire history behind it. You know, and occasionally when people read the book, they'll catch that. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty incredible way to tap in. And for yeah. you, um, occasionally, I mean, kind of because it's so, in some ways the way I write is so routine. And to some extent, I don't do that. And actually, what will often happen is I will think about a piece after I've written it, and I'll be driving around and think, you know, I wish I'd have said this. Yeah. And I look at it and I said that. Do you think that? Quoting yourself. That's great. I've not only forgotten the moment and what was going on when I wrote it, I forgot what I actually wrote. And I'm like, oh, I know how to could have made that better. And I like, and that was what I did the I first did. time. So. I did. Do, I did make it better. That's great. Andrew? Uh, you know, definitely I, I get that sense of like you, you get these lines and you remember exactly where they came up. It's almost like sometimes a song can be just a paper mache of, of those little bitty notes in different places and they come together the right way. But then on the same token, there's like tunes that exist in my iPhone that if I just like scroll all the way back and play, I won't even remember and I'll just say, man, that's a cool tune. <laughs> I gotta figure out how to play that one. Who you did know? that? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty talented. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. stop you because that's the thing that, I'm, that I think surprises anyone who doesn't play music is the idea that you can write songs that you don't know anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you know when you're sitting in the front row, when you're yelling, when you're at a show, and yeah. you're like, play this, play this, or between sets, you see it to the guy, hey, can you play this song? I'm like, no. Dude, no. no. Well, it's no. like when bands who have been around for a long, long time are yeah. artists, and you're, you're so stoked to see them, and you're hoping they're going to play stuff from their early career. They don't, they literally don't know it. Don't know they it. They don't know <laughs> it. And yeah. so when people talk about rehearsing the old stuff, you know, like, how can you not know, you know, whatever song, you know? Yeah. How well, do you not know that B-side? Because like, I was baked when I wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I was impressed when, uh, at one point, I was talking with John Full, when, he's, uh, when he first started playing with Dr. John. And he said at that point, they were responsible for 150 songs. So they actually rehearsed, they had 75 that they were responsible for if, if Matt called it. Yeah. And then they could have the cheat book for, like, the other 75. But I was like, that was really, I thought that's pretty impressive for well, Mac to deep, be carrying around 150. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, and I think this was the same with Elvis's band, they were responsible for everything, and he didn't call it. 
he just started playing it live. And there's a great um, double live CD from like the mid 80s of some West Coast dates he did. I forgot what it's called. The Palomino Club? Uh, I think it is the Palomino okay. Club. Well, well done. Um, you should have a music thingy. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like a blogging thing. Yeah. Yeah. So write this down. Uh, in the liner notes, uh, there's mention to the fact that he literally would just put his hands on the keys and start playing. Yeah. And the band was like, woo, here we go. You know, yeah. whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jim, we're going to listen to one of the songs, the song that you wrote for Jason oh Aldean. Okay. All but right. um, real quickly, in this conversation. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's both and. I think, and I think it used to just be. Um, much more diary-like for me to be able to know where the songs came from, what they were inspired, what they were about in my personal life at the time. And the more I've done it, um, and I write about 150 songs a year, which is what I've done for over 12 years now. Well, you don't remember all the songs you've written. Mm-hmm. You don't remember that they exist. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever like write a song? Go, I got my, I got my song for a day. It sucks, but I got my song. <laughs> right, right. I'm never playing this turd again. <laughs> That's the name of this song. I used, to, I used to, you know. I mean, every now and then there's a day that you gotta just slog through, and you yeah. know, you're kind of hoping lunch comes up quick, and, and you, you, you get it done. But oh, look, Snapchat. <laughs> I think, I think the more you do it as a job, and it's my profession, the the less likely it is that it, that that, it, that they're like diary entries and the more focused in you are on meeting the needs of the marketplace getting the job done in the, you know in the best way you can that day and then getting out and and kind of having a little amnesia so that tomorrow you can go do it again yeah um, it helps to be able to forget what you wrote well let's do this let's play one of the songs Thanks. you'll remember for a long time and, and yes, yes so tell us a little bit about this song and and the history of it oh, and this, jason aldean and like what this has meant this song will pay for my son's education for a little while That's what yeah. I'm all about that <laughs> um this song, I uh, wrote it with Dylan Altman and Rodney Clawson, two close friends, and uh, it was the first time the three of us had written together. The, I had written with Rodney for... Now, do their children get to go to school as long as your children get to go to school? Well, it depends on where they send them, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm a no-pick guy. Oh, okay. Thank I you, thought you were Thank for you. that. No, Sorry. Um, we wrote it. We wrote it in an afternoon. That's the Nashville way. And, uh, <laughs> that's the idiot's way. I mean, I'm, I'm a lyricist I'm, playing I'm guitar, play so that's the, I just you know. One. Um, and 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 Dylan came in with the riff, with the primary riff of the song, and. Um, it sounded like a rock and roll song, and, and I've, I'm just, you know, I'm proud that I was in the room with them That's that awesome. day, and, yeah. it, and it happened. Uh, All right, well, this is Jim McCormick. This is Happy Hour. It's NewOrleans.com. Been going round and round all day, bailing some hay, stacking it all up. Can't wait for the sun to go down, roll in the town, shine the old truck up, swing by the quick stop, grab a little shine box. Then he's on out your way to your place around eight o'clock. Yeah, I'm just ready to ride this Chevy, ride this Chevy down a little dirt road. Slide your pretty little cell phone over, get a little closer, you can play my radio. Put your pretty pink toes on the dash, lean the seat back. Man, I swear there ain't nothing looks better than that sweet tan little thing with nothing to do. I want to take a little ride with you. I hope you're wearing those frayed out cutoffs. Make me wanna get lost out in the moonlight. Drop the tailgate down on the turn road. Watch the corn grow, baby, that's a good night. Anyone from the heartland is gonna understand what I'm talking about right now. Ain't no doubt I got a game plan. 
I'm just ready to ride this Chevy, ride this Chevy down a little dirt road, slide your pretty little cell phone over, get a little closer, you can play my radio, put your pretty pink toes on the dash, lean the seat back, man I swear there ain't nothing looks better than that sweet tan little thing with nothing to do, I want to take a little ride with you. Yeah. yeah. We call that song uh, Four Chords to College. That's what it's called. Well said. Well said. It, it, it ain't rocket surgery yeah. is what yeah. I like to see. You know. So I noticed that you, you, wrote, you sang the lyrics that, uh, that you wrote rather than the lyrics that ended up on the record. Well, we wrote those too. Okay. Nice. Uh, but, but yes, the, the original lyric had a shine of rock. And some of them have a Chevy, some of them have a Ford, <laughs> and uh, one of them has a Honda. <laughs> it was, it, what, We're ready to receive. What, yeah. it, it, you wrote Shinerbach. What did it become? Um, My, uh, grab a couple Rocky Tops. Right. Yeah. You want to tell the story? It was a uh, situation where after Jason had cut the song, and after they had put it out, um, and gone to radio with it and gone to iTunes with it. It was released, it was the debut single of his current record, Night Train. Um, shortly thereafter, he made a, a sponsorship deal with Coors, with Coors Light. <laughs> yeah. And they came to us and asked if we would uh, help this, uh, this situation out by perhaps tweaking that line. <laughs> so, so it was at least le less competitive right. with the current big sponsor of the tour. And you were thinking, we, we were very happy. To my child out. might want to go to graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I've said it before, the detail itself, um, and you know, I mean, that's a, that's a damn rock song, you know? Yeah. It's not like we were, we were writing a philosophical statement or, or something like that, and, and I'm proud of it as a rock song. I was proud to get some of my love for Led Zeppelin into that song. The detail of the, of the thing was not, um, was not major. It did not change a plot. It did not mm -hmm. change a character. It did not change a theme. Um, so a lot of people, you know, you know with the uh, artistic, you know, I've got to keep that and maintain it. I'm not changing a thing. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you just have to pay. Me. You have to pay a yeah. lot for that. Yeah. So yeah, well, uh, let's, let's ask the question because I think right. this is one of the dynamically different things about today and 20, 10, 20 years ago. Sponsorship and what you do for a living. You guys are musicians. You're a writer. You're a writer. You know, you know. We'll, we'll start from the more difficult side, from the writing side, as far as books and stuff, because I really don't know how sponsorship plays in. Is anybody... I have no idea. I mean, I is, there, is there an opportunity for somebody to say, look, we want the book to be called McDonald's? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Joe P., sponsored by Coca-Cola. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have that issue, but, yeah. you know, you sell advertising, and is there ever anything... Um, it hasn't been an issue yet, and from my perspective, I think... My attitude's always been, even when I was at Offbeat that I would, would be pretty upfront. I mean, if you that if you're advertising, I would remember you and <laughs> if if there was a way where you fit in naturally into something, mm -hmm. that seemed reasonable to me. My, but my attitude was always what that when someone gave us money for advertising, what they were getting, they what they're trying to do is get access to our readership. Yeah. And that's a pretty straight-up trade, and that, that works fair. Works well, it's fine. a bit of the church Every, and state kind yeah, of concept. You know, everybody wants as much as they can get. But I always feel like if you deal as upfront as you can with people, and you work and you sort of police yourself as honestly as you can, and you mm -hmm. keep it, you know, you don't mislead anybody, then, you know, you, that's the best you can do. Now, where the line has really been drawn is in music, because it's funny that, you know, it used to be that our musicians... Would, you know, they were selling out, lost their cred if they did a sponsorship. 
And now it's almost like that's the only way you can make a living. Well, it's just that the sellouts are the majority now, so there's no telling. <laughs> that's, that's, that's way crazy. So we so know where Andrew stands. Totally no, no, that, that's not how I feel. But I, I think, uh, you know, these days... Uh, I just heard what you said. Uh, it just in, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the, you've uh, got to own that one, Andrew. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've got Tourette's. I'm sorry. <laughs> Andrew would like to apologize to I, Pepsi. No, I, I, think that, I think that the real uh, listeners and the people who... who uh, they, they're just not speaking as loudly as the folks who maybe take the sponsorship that's a little too uh, verbose. But, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, there's opportunities in this do-it-yourself music world to make some money on a sponsorship or if somebody wants to buy your harmonicas and maybe you mention that you're playing honers. Yeah, yeah you know, so what? Uh, yeah. You know? I think he said boners, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I heard a really good talk on this from uh, Tim Quirk, who used to be in Too Much Joy. Uh-huh. And he was talking about when, uh, years ago, that the band almost broke up when uh, PBR wanted them, uh, wanted to sponsor them and wanted them to cut a PBR song. Mm. And he said that it was just turned into this like band knockdown drag out. And it really did kind of start the seeds that broke up the band. But he said by the time they were done with it, that that deal was infinitely better and healthier than their label deal. Mm. Because PBR didn't tell them how to do anything, right. didn't ask them anything. They just basically wanted the buzz of having too much joy sing about them. Whereas their label felt entitled to be able to tell them about their music, tell them you ought to do this, tell them you ought to maybe have that producer. Mm. And that the label deal was infinitely more intrusive, and the label deal was basically a loan rather than oh, yeah. a here's bad money loan. in your pocket. Yeah. You know, Blue Ribbon was putting money in their pocket, putting putting braces on their kids' uh, teeth, <laughs> and uh, and he ended up. It was a really interesting talk to point out. You know, when you it's easy when you think sponsorship bad, this good, but working through those relationships all became slightly more complicated and really. You know, it's pretty interesting in that the, the, the details of how things were different and how that actually played out. Now, Jim, you probably are dealing with this a lot, I would imagine, because country music is in bed, I mean, with corporate sponsors, of probably more so than any other form of music. And just like you were talking about, the change of the beer. You know, that's the closest it's ever come to me. Yeah. Um, and... But you know, I'm not an artist, and and I think that well, I mean, they sure don't want to. Really? I just fall into like stupid land or per, something. The person who's singing your songs is a, is a bigger. Is more I only mean it in, ter- in the term in the terminology that's used in in the, in the industry. Right. I'm a writer with air so, quotes. So the performer, so, the performer, the artist. Not sure I'm giving you that one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the sponsors they don't sponsor songwriters. They don't sponsor songs per se. Um, you know, managers and artists and labels deal with that, and tour and promotion companies they deal with that. Um, you know, festivals deal with that. I, I, I kind of think, I mean, at least for a little while, the, in commercial music, the songwriters and the music publishers, we're 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 we, we kind of remain the last little, if there is anything close to pure or clean or still with its dignity in the music industry, it's the songwriters and the music publishers. You know? <laughs> is that it? I think so. I mean, it's, it's, Did, you know, for yeah. my money. Dignity in air quotes. <laughs> you couldn't see that at home, but uh, he was winking, air quoting, and crossing his fingers. Yeah. Giving the finger. Yeah. I don't know. Said. As a fan, a huge fan of music, uh, when it really irritates me, or the only time it irritates me about corporate sponsorship is when an artist will change their song to fit uh, 
you know, uh, some corporate sponsor, you know, like Michelob, you look wonderful tonight or whatever. Yeah. You know, Eric Clapton. Kind of yeah, right? yeah. Well, singing, yeah. singing a love song to Michelob does strike <laughs> yeah. me as yeah. problematic. But, you know, also, it's, Eric, when you wrote that song, yeah. were you thinking about beer? It's money, man. It's money. Money talks. Yeah. Bob Seger's still yeah. responsible, whether you like him or not. He's still like responsible a, like for, rock. for, yeah, for yeah, an enormous yeah. body of work. And, you know, like a rock. Golly, I wish I'd have written that, man. Yeah. I, you know, that, Charging from the gate like a rock. I always wondered about that. The, uh, the other night, uh, because I have a 10-year-old and 12-year-old, I was watching the voice finale, and Bob Seger was on it. And, man, he, wow. he sounded so amazing, nice. so yep. incredible. Yeah. Next to these guys who are trying to sing with these perfect voices, and Seger is just smoke, you know, four packs of cigarettes in singing <laughs> with all this honesty. Yeah. It was incredible. I don't know how he's kept his voice. This I don't think he did. I think he had problems with it for a, a haul yeah. there. But, he, I mean, exactly. everything was tuned down, you know. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's do this. We are very fortunate to have who is a sometimes co-host of the show, Andrew Duhan, a yeah. local musician who's playing Voodoo this year. Uh, do you want to do a song for us? Can let's we do play something? A tune, sure. Let's do this. All right, we're passing around the guitar. I love it. And uh, Andrew Duhan, uh, new record, The Moorings, is out and downloadable. Uh, Andrew, we website. Play the liquor. Play the liquor. You want to hear that one? Yeah, this it. is great. Yeah, this is a great it. song. Mm-hmm. We played this around the pool uh, the other time when we were performing. Together. Yeah, we were a- performing. I had a plan to play another song, but that wasn't on the record either, so that's okay. nice <laughs> And this is quite off the record, you know, hopefully mom's not listening. Everybody's got to write a drinking song, you know, it's just like a palate cleanser. Sometimes you got to write something that's a little less than earnest, so that's what this is. This song's called I Love the Liquor, and you can hear that any way you want to. Brought to you by Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I met a girl up in Tennessee. She liked to call on rye whiskey. I'd get limp, but she'd get frisky. So I'd frisk her and then she'd frisk me. Yeah, yeah she's a whiskey girl and I love liquor. Easy on the eyes and hard on the ticker. Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sick. She's a whiskey girl and I love liquor. I met a Russian girl and I was taking my time She liked the vodka, I liked the shine Had the comrade standing in line And before she let me poke, I had to blow her mind Yeah, yeah she's a vodka girl and I love the liquor Easy on the ass and hard on the ticket Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sick She's a vodka girl and I love the liquor Well, I met a tequila girl who liked Mexican hash Wanted to get high, but I didn't have the cash Put it on credit, and we both got trashed And she did the Macarena on my mustache <laughs> Yeah, she's a tequila girl and I love liquor Easy on the eyes and hard on the ticker Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sicker. She's a tequila girl and I love liquor. I'm gonna run back down the line just in case you forgot it. <laughs> yeah, she's a whiskey girl and I love liquor. Easy on the eyes and hard on the ticker. Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sicker. She's a whiskey girl and I love liquor. She's a vodka girl and I love liquor. Easy on the eyes and hard on the ticker. 
Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sick. She's a white girl and I love liquor. Tequila girl and I love liquor. Easy on the ass and hard on the ticker. Woke up in the morning, ain't never been sick. She's a tequila girl and I love liquor. Yeah, love liquor. Yeah, love liquor. Duhan. Thanks, y'all. On uh, Happy Hour on itsneworlds.com. Andrew, does your mom know what the Macarena is? Oh, uh, <laughs> let's see. I don't know. No, I don't know. You know, the first time that she heard that song, uh, her and Pops saw that I was playing at this place in New York and uh, had a friend in New York they wanted to go visit. So they showed up to that show, and I hadn't really registered that they would be there. <laughs> but uh, I think I remembered a friend of mine saying that, he was just looking at my mom the whole time, just like seeing she, you know, she was doing the mom thing where she was like, "I'm so proud." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, he wrote the liquor song. Each, yeah. each of them looking at each other. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Can I buy you a drink, Mrs. Duhon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome song. Real quickly, Thanks, uh, website, uh, uh, social media, stuff like that. Yeah. Where, how can people find Andrew Duhon? AndrewDuhon.com. You can find all the tour dates there, and you can you know get in touch with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm about to go to the UK for like six weeks and play a whole bunch of shows. So follow Instagram. I'll have some cool stuff you know, awesome. posted in there. And, Instagram released Instagram video today. Have you I saw with that. It? It's no, cool. I haven't. Yeah. It's really cool. cool. Um, it doesn't loop like Vine, but it's 15 mm. seconds. It has an erase button. So nice. you can go back by the click, you know? It's okay. really it's really solid. Cool. Uh, Jim? Web, uh, JimMcCormickSongs.com. Twitter, at the Jim McCormick. And, uh, and, Jim McCormick. And the record's on iTunes. Carrie? Uh, AuthorCarrieDunn.com. Not like Fonzarelli, but like the writer, author. And uh, <laughs> same on Twitter. <laughs> and the bloggy thing? MySpiltMilk.com. And I am MySpiltMilk on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram and Vine. Where's, nice. the, where's the name of the blog come from? I've always meant to ask you. It, it is the only name that neither I nor my wife nor our friend Elena could think of a compelling reason why it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same way they came up with Clara for their daughter. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That one, I'm, that one, my lovely wife, right from the start, she like, first time we started talking about having a child, she's like, Clara. I said, That's a great name. Yeah, yeah we're going with that. So. Yeah, and, and I joked about this earlier, but literally... Uh, when Alex and his wife had the baby for, you know, the first month, I was calling her uh, Carla. <laughs> and uh, so my daughters were calling her Carla. <laughs> <laughs> they came over and they were like talking about Carla. And I'd already, and the funny thing was, I'm sending Sig texts back saying, oh, Clara's doing fine. <laughs> and of course, you know, and, and of course, and I asked earlier, doesn't or can't read because evidently sending back notes about Clara we're really pinging there so uh, I'm moving fast man I'm moving fast that's right when you're involved in voodoo you don't bother to read all the letters no. in a word <laughs> too many letters man yeah. it's too many letters uh, everyone who's here first of all thank you all so much for being Thanks, part of the show today uh, fantastic group of musicians artists writers love you guys um, real quickly I just want to I don't really know the best way to throw this out there, but in your work, um, and I, I think we'd, we'd be kind of wrong not to touch upon this, you guys are all, whether in Baton Rouge or whatever, uh, have some New Orleans in you, and there's some New Orleans that drives what you do, and there's a lot of people who are listening who are really fond of New Orleans and are not here and have great aspirations to come to New Orleans or have been here for uh, a Mardi Gras or for a festival and have these great memories and follow New Orleans in every little part of their life. 
uh, because they're fascinated with the food, the music, the art, the culture, all those things. Uh, what does New Orleans do in what you, and this is an open conversation, I'm not going to look at anybody in particular. Mm -hmm. How does New Orleans inspire each of you? How has it been part of what you do? Man, how, does, how does it, yeah, how does it affect I mean, I, you? I, for me, it's always been, having worked, now worked in a, in a sort of commercial uh, nation, world, you know, very, you know, where the rough edges are kind of rubbed out and the, the particulars, this this place is my home. It's it's who I am, my family, I'm sixth generation and all. I know who I am, I know where I come from, so I think it has given me the strength to take chances in my life that I might not otherwise be doing. Yeah, if, and when you're in Nashville, what's the difference between the time you're in Nashville and the time you're here? You know, I'm a workaholic, so I'm, I'm you know, when I'm here, I'm 100% family man, and when I'm there, I'm 100% songwriter. So that's the difference for you? Yes. Wow, okay, yeah. great. And, and uh, I was going to say, you know, the thing that always spoke to me about New Orleans is that creativity is in the city's DNA. Mm -hmm. That whether you are an artist, whether you're a musician, whether you are mom and dad in Metairie who have figured out some kind of like family costume and theme and ritual that's a part of your Mardi Gras, mm -hmm. that at every level here, that everybody is creative at some level and people value creativity here. They value whether it's musical, whether it's writing, whether it's painting, or whether it is people just figuring out something really good and crazy to do on a uh, on, on a Fat Tuesday. That kind of the fact that a city is built on creativity to me is constantly inspiring. Well, like I, I'm involved in Crew de Vue. I know you're involved in a couple different crews. Yeah. I'm sure everybody has something. With, you know, Mardi Gras is one of those things that kind of uh, brings everybody together. And what I love about it is the idea that you see the people in the wildest kind of like parallel universe of themselves mm -hmm. in that period, you know, and it's fine. And I and I that's what I love about being part of these crews, is because you're in touch with that, and you don't have to go very far to be in touch with that in New Orleans. If you live in Ohio, you're not seeing a whole lot of that side of people's personalities. Yeah. Two quick ones to go with that. We're, I'm in T Rex, uh, so micro crew. We actually have people who will actually make micro fans. Oh yeah, to uh, and, and make like micro ladders to nice. watch the parades go by. Yeah. Yeah. the fact that we inspire people to come up with their own way to join hmm. uh, that knocks me out. I was out there last year and I was blown away by all the little things, the little viewing yeah. stands. The people, yeah. I'm like, I mean, how do you do, like? I would. I'm so impressed you thought of that. I'm, yeah. I'm bringing a lot of little things yeah. next year. My daughters are all about great. it. The, the other one that was brilliant was um, Renee, uh, Renee, who does uh, Blackened Out, a really good food blog. That one year I see Renee on, with friends on Fat Tuesday, and they're walking around with musical instruments, and they're just walking up, walking St. Charles, walking with the people in the crowd and say, what's your favorite song? And uh, they'll say, oh, we, we, love, uh, we love Mustang Sally. Okay, we'll play that. And then they just blow insane noise because none of them can play an instrument. <laughs> and that nice. by itself is great. And the fact that the 75-year-old the, the grandmother who said that is in hysterics laughing as well. It's like everything about that's great. The crowd loves the insanity of the moment as much as the people who created that moment. Hmm. Andrew? Anything? I, Any inspiration I mean, from New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think it's quite specifically about the inspiration. It's like if, if this place is a muse, it's one that that isn't polished up or wears makeup. You know, she's she's real she's real cool with like waking up and smoking a cigarette and not crossing <laughs> her legs. You know, she's uh, <laughs> she, get the guitar. <laughs> we got a country song. What's her number? Yeah, <laughs> and Jim just stole that. <laughs> uh, you know, and you, you go to plenty of other towns and you're impressed by whatever it is their 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 mystique or their their opulence or their their 
hygiene or their whatever. education <laughs> system. Uh, but, their, their, their roads, yeah, their public yeah. transit. Yeah, maybe it makes right. Their public economy, transit. their okay. Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. Okay, there's other towns that are really impressive, all right? But, you know, there's something about the fact that this place is just like on the river and slowly sinking in, and we all know it, you yeah. know, just like that corner balcony on the in the French Quarter when you step on it and you can feel the lean but the perspective there is just necessary yeah. you know you have to you have to feel it I love it I love That's it Baton Rouge boy yeah well I mean it's the most alive city I've ever seen I've ever read about it's just got its own vibe I mean you come here you feel instantly different it's uh, you're yourself but you're transformed yeah and, uh, my follow-up book is actually set here and that's the reason why it's because uh, it just it just brings that to it. I mean, there's there's never a time where there's not something going on that you're going to enjoy. It's a, you know, New York might be the city that never sleeps, but we don't even yawn. So I kind of like that. <laughs> New York sleeps, for the record. I mean, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as somebody who goes to New York a lot, I will say, and I grew up in the Northeast. What I love, and I never ever in a million years, and this might be a country song, I never in a million years thought that you know going to New York and coming back on a plane that I would physically feel like my body and emotions change when I looked out the window and saw the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. That is this moment of like after doing like three days in New York and running around and being part of that chaos, which I love. I love that chaos. Mm. But when I'm flying back and all of a sudden I look out that window and I see the Mississippi River and as a Northeasterner, I never thought I'd say these words. But all of a sudden it releases. Like I'm like, all right, cool. I'm home. Back I'm in New Orleans. Yeah. I walk my walk my dog uh, down at the uh, down at the dog levee, and part of it's besides the fact that I can get outside and give her like a quarter mile to run in. Part of it is I also I can daily go out and look at the levee, yeah. look at the river, and just that kind of that kind of connection. It, yeah, that kind of there is something really basic about being able to go outside and see a landmark that first off is a landmark, and secondly, that the water I'm looking at right now came through the entire country to get to this moment. Yeah, and like okay, that's actually kind of hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That you know, I, I, I grew up in Algiers, one block, literally one block, nothing but a field between my house and the levee. Mm-hmm. And that's where we played, that's where we built forts, that's where we kissed girls, smoked dope, whatever it was we did as a kid. It was like going on over there in the Batcher. And, I mean, you're, you're right. It, 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 to have that in your, in your psyche is, is huge, you yeah. know. I love the fact that my daughters are, are here. I'm sorry. You know? yeah, no. no, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that because they just heard what I said. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love the fact they're growing up with that in their DNA. Yes, do you, do you, yes. Do you, do you, either of you have a song about the Mississippi River? Or, or anything about the Mississippi River? I got a River? couple do, of Louisiana yeah. songs, yeah, you know? Well, I guess the wise, yeah. however you I mean, you it. can't beat M.I. Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter I, so why, why try? All right, well, this has been great. I can't thank you guys enough. Um, does anybody else want to read the uh, credits? Because I'd appreciate it. It would be great. Jim, let's do this. Oh, oh, yeah, sing the credits. Jim, you sing. got it. Jim, why, you got a guitar? Let's get the guitar going. Yeah. Right. I, I, I could just do a fireside reading of it. Let's do a fireside yeah. reading. That's, yeah, that's I fine. I like that. Yeah. Can I hold it for you? Producer. Graham, that's what she said. Graham DuPont. Hey. <laughs> producer Graham DuPont and Trish Kaufman. Associate producer and technical director. Music? Chris Kehoe. There Thank you. Music director Christian Unruh. Hi, Christian. Web designer and link to the real world, Dr. Cliff Brigden. Theme was written and is being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus, 
Audio Electronics. Did I say that right? I have no idea. PreSonus. <laughs> PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. This is Garrison Keeler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if you'd like to be on the show, it's neworleans at gmail.com. Check out our other happy hours and other shows, Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, great guy, live at Commander's Palace, Mindset with psychiatrist, psychiat- psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pedgick, True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson, Viet Nola about the New Orleans Vietnamese community, one of my favorite shows, honestly, and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Kanata. Go, Ray. <laughs> Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other times sucking social media on all of the Where It's New Orleans. On all of the Where It's New Orleans. Grant? Yeah. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, thanks for subscribing. Take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. How was that, Sig? That was fantastic. Right on, man. On the money, man. Thank you to uh, all of our guests, guys. You were great. Uh, Please visit also worshipthemusic.com to find out music information about the Voodoo Experience. And, uh, again, Andrew Duhon is on the bill. Looking forward to it. This is the beginning of country music coming to Voodoo, isn't it? Thank Uh, you. It is, yes. I will leave it at that. (laughs) Don't call me country, Jim. (laughs) There's a liquor joke in here. All right. (laughs)